What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? It's your boy Addison, man. We are live right now in the beautiful FTJ Studios, man. Episode 70, was it 77, 78? It's episode 78. I'm sorry, it's episode 77. Last episode 76. So this episode is 77. Hey, we getting up there, man. Um, I, I got a major announcement. Uh, they got announcing coming really, really soon. Uh, I want to apologize. I was supposed to have a Lakers guest on the show this week, but of course he was unavailable uh, to record this week. So uh, we will definitely make sure we uh, get that back to y'all. We'll definitely get up, catch up to that episode because um, I wanted to talk about the Lakers um, and I want to kind of go at them a little bit. But again, we'll, 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 we'll actually, we'll talk about the Lakers in today's show, actually. Um, but yes, sir. Thank you for uh, tapping into the podcast, episode 77. We climbing up the charts, man. Thank you to everybody that's been streaming us, that's been tapping into us worldwide, man. Shout out to y'all, man. Y'all showing major, major love. Our streams are going up. And like I said, man, we do this for the love, the love of the game. And um, so let's talk about on today's sports world. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to discuss. Um, but I want to start off today's show talking about Kevin Durant. Um, now, of course, Kevin Durant's kind of been in the headlines as of late. Now, of course, we all know Kevin Durant did sign with the Brooklyn Nets on a four-year, $164 million contract. But... There are new reports coming out that are now saying that Kevin Durant never had to talk with the GM. He never talked to Brooklyn. He never even communicated to them that he was going to sign with them until the time it was time to make his decision on Instagram at 6 p.m. Of course, as y'all all knew, on the boardroom, he announced his decision, basically saying Kevin Durant will sign <laughs> with the Brooklyn Nets, right? Like, it was kind of like the same reminiscent of like LeBron, right? When he kind of announced his on Instagram with Clutch Sports. I remember LeBron is LeBron. I ain't gonna lie to you. LeBron announcements have been horrible. I've always been critical of LeBron's announcements. Of course, going back to Miami, his announcement, I felt like it was horrible because he made it about like a charity, but in reality, it really was about his decision to go to Miami. So in my mind, like, like bro, if you're gonna just say you're going to Miami, let's just do that. Let's just have a press conference, do the whole nine. And then just say you're going to Miami. But he like made it about like the Boys and Girls Club. But that's just for my, my OGs. That was that was around when that was going on. Um, and then, of course, when he decided to go back to Cleveland, he didn't really say anything. He kind of just, you know, kind of opted out of his deal. And then he just kind of signed up to Cleveland. But he didn't really talk to Dan. Dan uh, I'm sorry. He didn't really talk to Dan Gilbert. And he really wasn't a fan at the time. of um, Not Tyron Lue wasn't the coach. But he at the time, he wasn't a fan of David Blatt. And they had just hired David Blatt. For Kyrie Irving. Literally, they had hired David Blatt for Kyrie Irving because he was supposed to come from overseas and he's supposed to bring this European style of basketball that actually would have fit Kyrie Irving's game in that specific moment. But catching back up to Kevin Durant and his decision to go to the Brooklyn Nets, and as I said on previous podcasts, I never had a problem with Kevin Durant deciding to go to the Brooklyn Nets. My only problem and my only issue was I didn't really feel like deep down in my heart that this move was necessarily all basketball related. I felt like this move had a lot to do with business. Like he wants to get some businesses off in the ground in, L- in New York. I'm sorry, not LA, in New York. Um, I also felt like too, at the end of the day, it was an opportunity that him, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan could play together. And I think though, I think those two guys, he has a really close relationship with in the league. But for you to tell me that you didn't even have a meeting with the Brooklyn Nets, you didn't even tell the Brooklyn Nets, Miguel Prokhorov, Kenny Atkinson, you didn't even tell, the, like, you didn't tell nobody that you were coming? Like anybody that you were coming and then to make it so bad, the deal that he signed is a four year deal. But really, it's a three year with a player option after the second year because his first year is burnt. He's not playing this first year. I mean, if he does decide to play, OK, cool. My man, he's a superhero. Like, that's my dog. That's my favorite player in the league. Superhero. But in my mind, like, bro, sit it out. Cool. All the greats have had to sit out at a time or two. Kobe, 
Shaq, they all have had injuries. Tom Brady, all of them have had injuries in which they've had to sit out. So at this point, Kevin Durant is just your time to sit out the season. He's going to miss an entire season. Steph has missed entire seasons. So, I mean, it's happened. LeBron kind of missed some games. He ain't missed nothing. Like I said, that's the Iron Man of the league, but he ain't really missed nothing. So the first year is burnt. So really, technically speaking, the two, I think, what is it, the 2022-23 class, or maybe the 2020-21 class, I'm sorry, 2021-22 class, he can be eligible to be a free agent. I'm sorry. The class of 2021-22 free agency, I guess that's the class in which Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, all, again, all the guys will come off the, the books and they'll be free agents again. Of course, I'm sure it'll realign the league, if you will. But he has that option in his deal. So technically speaking, he only played for the Nets for two years and he'll probably decide to go on to play somewhere else. But if you're Kevin Durant, like I said, you, you, you got to really ask yourself at this point in your career, what are we playing for? Are we playing more for legacy? Are we playing more for personal? Or are we playing more or less just to just say, you know what? I'm going to just do this thing my way. Because I think that's just where it's going. Because that's where a lot of people are having issues with these player contracts, which we're going to kind of segue into the player contract, which I'll bring in Kawhi Leonard here. Because a lot of people had an issue with Kawhi Leonard. I was seeing different sports heads talk about Kawhi Leonard's contract, the three-year, $103 million deal. But when you look at that deal, I think that, I mean, honestly, that's the best deal on the market. And again, it doesn't lock you in long term. What we have seen now with the NBA, and it kind of has given the players a little power, that these players aren't going to sign long-term deals. Now, unlike the MLB, which we'll get into later, because that all-star game, even though the home run derby was cool, the all-star game was horrible. And I had so many different issues with the all-star game. But again, we'll get into the all-star game here in a little bit. But the reason why NBA players kind of have a little leverage on their side is they're starting to realize shorter contracts, more front money guaranteed. And oh, by the way, I get that player option flexibility. None of these players are not locking in. Like Unlike baseball, where they have 10-year contracts, so you may sign Bryce Harper for a 10-year, $300 million deal. Steph Curry will sign a deal like that. I feel like LeBron James will sign a deal like that if you're saying, okay, for 10 years, you're going to give me $400 million because these teams have it to give. You know how much the Los Angeles Lakers are worth, the Golden State Warriors are worth, the New York Knicks, the Miami Heat? You know how much these franchises are worth? So the fact that Paul George, at this point in his career, and also Kawhi Leonard at this point in his career are taking matters into their own hands and basically saying, look, we're going to do the three-year deal. We're seeing what LeBron and we're seeing what KD is doing, basically. And we want to do the same exact thing. And I can't, I can't hate on them for that. But the, but the problem and the issue that people are having is the visibility of it. That's all it is. You don't mean to tell me that back in those days that I'm sure Patrick Ewing, I'm sure Gary Payton, I'm sure a lot of them guys... Uh, uh, Reggie Miller, a lot of them guys would have teamed up. Dominique Wilkins, a lot of them guys would have teamed up. Tim Hardaway, Alonzo Moore, a lot of them guys would have teamed up and they probably would have went against the Bulls. A lot of them guys would have teamed up if they had the opportunity. Why? Because it's basketball. Basketball is about chemistry. And oh, by the way, who doesn't want to play with the best players? I'm sorry. That's how we grew up. And I hate when people, we play the game as guys, we play the game, right? And everybody always want to run to the sorry teams to prove how good you are. Well, if you're good with a good team, I'm playing with a good team. Bottom line. Same thing applies with basketball. Why would I not want to play with a good team? We grew up in the AAU era. So these guys, like I said, signing these long-term contracts, it's not happening because of the fact that why? They can get more front money the way the game is set up, the way the, the salary cap is set up, and how you almost can really, like I said, every year it's going up. So like I said, Kawhi Leonard's do $36 million next year or something like that. What is it, $33 million, 34? That's ridiculous. 
So his base salary is $34 million a year, and it's only going up. It's only going to increase, which means what? The guys at the bottom, Patrick Beverly, all those guys, get the benefit off of the top guys because what? Those guys carry the league. And I know a lot of people are having issues with players demanding trades. Like I said, I say in the commissioner's interview, but the reality of the situation is the NBA has now become a soap opera. It has now become a 365-day Instagram, Twitter. It has become a 365-day Instagram, Twitter conversation, bottom line. But the players being able to move in the NBA has is, is honestly been the best thing for the NBA. I think if the NFL allowed more player mobility, I think the NFL would be a lot more exciting. And I think it would be a lot more day-to-day talk. NFL is kind of just, it's concrete. We know what it is. The Patriots won a Super Bowl. Until next year, we'll have to wait. <laughs> Until next year, we'll have to wait. And, and at the end of the day, the NFL, because there's more guys and there's more positions on the field, right? You may only need a tight end here or a receiver here or a DB here, but you're going to keep the same team. Basketball, their teams are going to change, right? Because of chemistry and ultimately it's analytical game because it's a long game, right? So by the players being able to move, I think it's ultimately helped the league. Who wants to see Michael Jordan play for the Bulls his whole career? Even he went to the Wizards. LeBron decided, you know what? I'm not going to play into that role. I'm going to go to the Lakers. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I was glad Kevin Durant ultimately decided to go to the Nets and do what he wanted to do. Because I think we wanted to see that. We wanted to see LeBron James in the West. Everybody talked about, oh, LeBron's in the East. It's a cakewalk. Let's see what he do in the West. Yep. We're going to see this year. No Kevin Durant. You got a new look team. We're going to see what he do. But again, we'll, we'll save that for a later date. But what I... What I ultimately understand about the player mobility is, like I said, it's shedding light. And it really ultimately gives the fans what we want. It's no longer about where you live at and who you got to root for. That don't matter anymore. Now it's more or less like global now. So if you function with KD and he played for the Nets, that's your squad. If you mess with Damian Lillard and he played for the Blazers, that's your squad. Why? Because you can buy the gear on NBAShop.com. You can tweet Damian Lillard on Twitter. You can follow Damian Lillard and feel like you're a part of Damian Lillard. You can feel like you're a part of the Trailblazers organization. You can go to the games. So it's no longer about, okay, well, if you live in Chicago, you have to root for the Bulls. If you're in Detroit, you have to be a Pistons fan. It's not that anymore. Because of the fact that the player mobility and because the guys are moving around, it forces you to kind of like different teams. It kind of forces you to watch and root for different organizations and not necessarily fall in love with the name on the front. Because that's what I realized as a young and I'm like, oh, man, the NBA kind of cold-blooded. They could just trade you whenever. And back then, there was all this, it wasn't all this player mobility. Guys wasn't dictating where they wanted to go. Yeah, when you was a free agent, you may have had a decision. But did you see those contracts back then as opposed to what they are now? Even the guys underneath are still getting deals from Sacramento, Indiana. So uh, what I'm saying is, right, like it's not an outrage, right? It's everybody calm down. The NBA isn't. The NBA is fine. It's only two or three guys moving and shaking kind of dictating and reassigning the league. And that's all it did. Kevin Durant went to the East, kind of just shifted the balance of power. And as a result, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard went back out West. They just shifted out the balance of power. Giannis is still in the East. Jimmy Butler's in the East. The Sixers are still in the East. The Celtics are still in the East. So the East is still going to be tough. But this whole notion that the NBA is being ruined because of player mobility, let's kill it. That's the best thing, honestly, that's happened to the NBA because this made it a 365-day conversation. ESPN Adam Schefter is reporting that Melvin Gordon, Los Angeles Chargers running back, is set to inform the team that he is set to sit out this entire season and ultimately miss training camp if he does not get a new deal. 
Now, of course, he says now he will ultimately also demand a trade. Now, this is coming from his agent, I guess, Fletcher Smith. This is what he is telling ESPN. Now, I guess they're saying that the lack of progress in the negotiation talks over the offseason with the Chargers kind of pushed Melvin Gordon to this decision. And, of course, Melvin Gordon being 26 years old, entering the last year of his contract, a fifth-year option at that worth $5.6 million, we know what time it is. We've seen this situation with Le'Veon Bell. We've seen this situation with Le'Veon Bell over the past three years. And everybody called him selfish and everybody said what he wanted to. But at the end of the day, he got a shiny new deal at the end of it. A four-year, I'm sorry, a four-year $52 million deal to come along with that sit-out. Now, of course, he could have sat and played for the Steelers for that one year. I think he would have got a base salary. I think it was $18.5 million. So, I mean, I think he would have been the highest paid running back just off of one year alone in the NFL. But Le'Veon Bell said, you know what? I know my worth. He said, ultimately, I'm going to land on my feet. I'm a running back. I'm entering the prime of my career. Basically, I'm coming off a year of actually sitting off. It actually do my body some good because I would that'd be a year less punishment. Shouts out to all my running backs out there. If you play running back, you know that punishment is brutal. I don't care what nobody say. Running backs take punishment. But again, that's another podcast for another episode because I got a lot of running back stories. Man, I used, man, I used to be that guy at running back. Hey, if you don't know about me, you better ask about me, okay? But anyway, like I was saying about Le'Veon Bell and ultimately Melvin Gordon, is that his fifth year option at this point is not a it's not a decision that I have to make. I'm not doing it. I'm sitting out. And the reason why I'm sitting out is because of the fact that what? I saw what it did for Le'Veon Bell. I saw what it did for Le'Veon Bell. Now there are sources out there saying that, of course, that if he was to sit out, I think that there are teams, of course, that would pick him up. And of course he could be traded. And of course that team could then re-sign him to a new deal, whatever team he's going to. But he ultimately realizes at 26 years old, from 26 to 29, these are like the prime years of your running back career. These are the prime years of your running back career. So ultimately, you ultimately want a new deal because you know anything outside of 30, you're not going to get a shiny new deal like Le'Veon Bell and Ty Gurley and Devontae Freeman and LaShawn McCoy. A lot of those guys are on a four-year, five-year, 100 and I'm sorry, not 100. I don't know why I'm thinking about NBA money. A lot of those guys are on five-year, $40 million deals. Uh, Ty Gurley right now is on a four-year, $57 million deal. Devontae Freeman, five years, $41 million. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, five years, $40 million. David Johnson, three years, $39 million. Saquon Barkley, he's on a four-year, $31 million deal, right? But I'm sure he'll re-up when the running back market resets. And then at the end of the day, Ezekiel Elliott right now is on a four-year, $24 million deal. You don't think he's going to want to re-up when it's time for him to re-up? And ultimately, Melvin Gordon's decision to sit out could ultimately affect Ezekiel Elliott. And then the Cowboys also got to pay Dak. So the Cowboys going to have to break the bank. But just dealing with the Los Angeles Chargers, if you are the Chargers, and if you are Melvin Gordon, what do you do in this situation? What do you do? If you're the Chargers, we got a ready-now team right now. We got a win-now kind of team now. But this was the team last year. That ultimately finished 12-4 and in the AFC West, finished first, and lost in the second round to the New England Patriots. But if you're the Los Angeles Chargers, you have to bring back Melvin Gordon. Ultimately, right now, you're competing in a division with the Kansas City Chiefs, who were red hot last year, who were one game away from the Super Bowl. So you're competing with them, the new-look Oakland Raiders, soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. The Denver Broncos now have a new quarterback. Defensively, they've always been competitive. So this is the AFC West that could really go up and down one year, Last year they were 12 and 4. The next year they can go 4 and 12. That's how this year could go for the Los Angeles Chargers, really. And it all starts with them re signing Melvin Gordon. You cannot have a team with Austin Ecker as your running back and Justin Jackson. And no disrespect to any of those guys on the roster. 
But when you have a guy like Keenan Allen, I'm sorry, Travis Benjamin, Mike Williams, his team is ready to go, Hall of Famer, and Phillip Rivers. Defensively, last year they were stout. Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Denzel Perryman, Derwin J. I mean, Casey Hayward. Across the board, this team was solid. One of the best teams in the NFL last year. You got to bring Melvin Gordon back, period. But now Melvin Gordon ultimately demanding a trade is huge. Again, this is him saying, look, I got to take control of the next three years of my life. And I saw what it was able to do for Le'Veon Bell ultimately by sitting out for a year of football. And it actually did him probably some good. Le'Veon Bell was just rapping, making videos, I guess, whatever he was doing, which was cool, right? He wasn't really in trouble, working out, stayed in shape. And it paid off because he got a shiny new deal with the New York Jets. Over the past couple of days, the MLB All-Star Game was on television. Now, of course, most of you, if you didn't catch it, did catch it. Of course, the home run derby was exciting. Of course, the Yasiel, I'm sorry, not Yasiel, I don't know why I was thinking Yasiel Puig, but of course, the Vladimir Guerrero versus Jock Peterson duel was Jock just barely with that last pitch on the back end. If you watched that one, that was a good one. The MLB All-Star Game, eh, the NL versus the AL, oh, of course, that's kind of just a toss-up, right? If you like baseball, you were tuned in. If you didn't, you probably didn't even know it was on, right? And I think they said it was at a record low this year. I think they said that the record low for the the watch, I think, was 6.2 for a rating, which compared to the Pro Bowl, which had 8.9 million views, is kind of staggering. And I think the issue with the MLB and the, the issue that the MLB is having is how do we keep fan engagement? How do we get fans to be involved? How do we get fans to watch the game? And I think there are three simple things that the MLB can do really to get more fan involvement. One, you got to cut down the season. The fact that a season is 180-some games, it's just too long, which means it's too many games to watch, which makes it more about analytics as opposed to really what it should be about is about the players. Same thing for the NBA. We still feel like the NBA season should be shorter. Hell, we feel like the NFL season should be shorter. I, for one, feel like the college football season should be shorter because really two or three games really only matter every single year. So in theory, getting back to the MLB, I think that the season is too long. Because of the fact that the season is too long, most of the bandwagon fans are going to tune in in October when the matchups are set. Okay, we know the Dodgers and the Cardinals are going to play in the NL. Okay, in the AL, we know the Red Sox and we know the Blue Jays are going to face off. We know that. We Okay, cool. The matchups are already set, so now we can tune in. As opposed to right now, we really don't care because we all know in baseball, there's so many different games. It's like, okay, you can win on a Tuesday, win Wednesday, and then y'all could just tie on Thursday, right? Or you can win on Thursday, or you could lose on... So it's kind of just like, it don't really, the series don't really matter until the postseason. And I think how you can bring importance back to the regular season for the MLB is shorten the season. Secondly, market your stars. I could go down the list right now and name guys, and a lot of people on this podcast listening, would you know who they are? Would you know who Christian Yellick is if I told you? Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman, Cody Bellinger, Chris Blackman, Pete Alonzo. Do you know who those guys are? Max Muncy, Yasmael Grandal, Clayton Kershaw, Jason DeGrom. And these are and that's just from the NL side. From the AL side, Francisco Linder, Mike Trout, Carlos Santana, JD Martinez. Do you know who those guys are? Mookie Betts. Of course, we all know he played for the Red Sox. Justin Verlander. So, again, what, what, and, of course, Bieber shot to Bieber. He did win the home run derby. Bieber did win the home run derby. I remember that. I, I was asleep, and it was funny. I woke up, and they said, I forgot. They was like something Bieber had won the, um, uh, I'm sorry. They said Shane Bieber had won the home run derby. But, I thought they was, but they kept saying Justin Bieber trying to be funny. But the point is that these are guys that the common people don't really know. 
And that the MLB should market because these are the stars. Tim Anderson, another one for the Chicago White Sox. One of my favorite players right now in the MLB. So again, that's the problem that the MLB has. They don't market it. Just take a page out of the NBA's book. The NBA markets their players 365 days out of the year. And the MLB has way more farm systems than the M- M- NBA does. And way more farm systems than the NFL does. The only farm system the NFL does is college football. The NBA, of course, has the G League. And, of course, they have you know, the NCAA. And pretty soon they're going to probably open it up to where they're going to have different leagues around the globe for, for guys to, from out the countries that necessarily aren't going to come to college here and play basketball. Because I think it's unfair that guys from overseas don't have to come to, over here to play college basketball. But our guys do. But again, that's another conversation for a whole other podcast. But just dealing strictly with baseball, the simple fact that, like I said, they don't market their players enough is a reason why people aren't tapped in. And third and finally, I think MLB should adapt to the times. I think now fans want to see home runs. They don't want to see triples. They don't want to see doubles. They don't want to see singles. So I feel like ultimately I think they should bring the infield line in, make the fields a little bit shorter so guys have more of an advantage to hit home runs. In the All-Star game, they were throwing 96 mile per hour pitches. You ain't hitting a home run on that. Maybe it's 60 or 70, cracking it. But 90, 100, you ain't hitting a home run on that. Justin Verlander pitching to you, good luck. Kershaw pitching to you with that quirky ass pitch, good luck. So what I'm saying is, right, when we look at the baseball as a whole, you bring that infield and you give guys an time and advantage to, or you give guys ultimately an advantage to hit home runs, it's going to spike the game up. But now... With the game being, like I said, home run or bust, now you got guys out here that may be taking steroids or maybe popping pills because they ultimately know that's what's going to sell tickets. That's ultimately what's going to drive fans to want to watch the sport. But now on today's edition of the wrap-up, man, we got breaking news coming across the sports wire right now. Oklahoma City is trading Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets for Chris Paul. I think this is just a straight-up trade. Now, of course, they're saying the Rockets will send Chris Paul two protected first-round picks, 2024 and a 2026 pick. And they're also going to swap two picks for 2021 and 2025 picks. Now, of course, this is reuniting Russell Westbrook and James Harden, which I think is an awful pair. An awful pair. An awful pair. And I don't know at this point what the Houston Rockets were doing, but this goes to show that the tension between Chris Paul and James Harden was real. The tension between Chris Paul and James Harden was real. And ultimately, Sam Pressy really was desperate to get rid of Russell Westbrook. He saw last year in the playoffs. I'm sorry. He saw two years ago when they played the Jazz. And he went like five for like 30 or some shit. And he was shooting all them. That was when he realized, I cannot win with Russell Westbrook. Now with Chris Paul, he's got a star. So he's able to kind of rebuild and kind of do something else. And as a result, still kind of compete. But this was a horrible trade by Daryl Morey. You just paired one of the worst statistical point guards with James Harden, and both of these guys need the ball in their hands to score. Are you nuts? Russell Westbrook is the one of the worst three-point shooters in the league. And Russell Westbrook is my guy. But for Daryl Morey to make this trade straight up from literally just talking about they were contending for a title, I felt like with Chris Paul and James Harden and that team that they had, they, they are contending for a title next season. I don't think the Lakers have a solid roster. Of course, Golden State is wounded right now. We're going to see what my boys do. But everything else is up for grab. Utah kind of retooled. But for the Houston Rockets to straight up trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook said, A, the tension between James Harden and Chris Paul was really real. And B, at the end of the day, this is Daryl Morey's desperation last heave. 
You, you, you can't go any further than this, Daryl. You tried it for Carmelo. It, it didn't work. You couldn't get Paul George. You couldn't get LeBron. You couldn't get KD. You couldn't get Jimmy Butler. So at this point right now, this is his last heave. Know what they say when Rich is go broke. Shout out to Nipsey. You feel me? This is Daryl Morey's broke attempt right here. He has no other moves in the can. I don't know how many more picks you can trade. I don't know how many more players you can give up. But when you just trade for Westbrook, literally, one of the worst statistical three-point shooters in an analytical error in a team that bases their system off three-point shooting. And, oh, by the way, Mike D'Antoni is still the head coach. This smells like disaster written all over it, man. It's your boy. We'll tap back in when I, when, I, when I can get my head wrapped around this. But this is breaking news right now. Russell Westbrook is being traded for Chris Paul. We were recording this podcast live, and it just happened to come across the podcast. Man, stream us on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We will be on YouTube really, really soon. SoundCloud, it'll be up really, really soon. But definitely tap in on Apple and Spotify right now. Those streams are going out the roof. Tap in on social media at Who Addison. Follow me on all those. I tap back in with everybody. This is wild. This is, this, to me, this is a horrible trade right here. This is a horrible trade right here. Anybody that thinks any different, I don't know what to say, man. It's your boy, man. I'm out.